We are blessed today because we have not a guest, but a pastor of this house from our Fort Worth campus is here with us today. And this woman of God has become or has been a dear friend of Nikki and mine for many years. We met her when she was 14 years old. Yeah, we were all young. We met her when she was 14 years old and a little basketball player and with her little guitar. And God, is, his hand has been upon her life ever since that first moment. And I remember meeting Jasmine at, uh, at, at students in youth group and seeing the favor and the hand of God upon her life and the anointing that rested upon her. And there's never a time that I don't speak to my friend that she doesn't have a word from the Lord. There's never a time that she doesn't, if it's on the phone, if it's in person, if she's on the platform leading worship or preaching a message, she has a word from God because she has a deep well and a daily relationship with the Lord. And we are so honored and blessed to have her bring the word this morning. And honor is one of the values of this house. So let's stand to our feet and honor Pastor Jasmine Wheeler this morning. Good morning, everybody. You can be seated. You can be seated. Good to see y'all out here in the tent. It's an honor to be with y'all. I just want to, some of y'all may not know this, but my husband, Connor, he's not out here right now, but he was just on the drums. I don't know where he is. But I just want to honor my husband. A lot of people maybe not don't know who he is, but he was just on the drums killing it. Can we just give it up for the worship team, my husband, for just bringing us into the presence? Yeah, he's back there somewhere. Um, and then I just want to honor the Cody's, my longtime friends, your lead pastors. Uh, it's amazing. One of my favorite things about going into ministry with people that you love, that you get to do life with, Uh, is that you can do friendship with people, but that you can also, in one moment, be pastored by your friends. Uh, And so I just, I love that you guys are my friends, but so many moments where you've pastored me, where you've led me through hard moments and difficult things, and uh, it's just a joy to get to actually run with you and be able to laugh with each other in a moment and then turn around and be snotting with each other and having crazy moments. And so uh, it's an honor. And I I also just want to say... I don't want you guys to sleep on what just happened. Pastor Les was just talking about how he was seeking the Lord, asking about what to do about the second service today in July in Texas. Uh, To y'all, that may feel like a no-brainer in some ways because it's 150,000 degrees in Texas. But like, there are some pastors in America that would not pray about that, that would just shut it down because it's just hot outside. Uh, But y'all have pastors Uh, that really have a desire to please God and to do what the Lord wants. And I just, I hope you never get tired of that. I hope you never get familiar with that, that you never sleep on that, that you have pastors that want to please the Lord. Uh, And so again, can we just honor the Cody's uh, having pastors that want to please God in this house? Love you guys. Um, Okay, well, let's just, can we just jump on in? Because I heard that at 11.30, it's going to be like melting and stuff out here. And so um, let's, just, let's just jump in. The main text for the day is Luke 22, verses 39 through 47. You can text. I think you can text notes to 590.90 uh, if you want to follow along with me this morning. Uh, but let's, let's jump in. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Say strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, 
one of the 12 was leading them. Today, I came all the way to Waco, Texas to tell you guys, you can't pray like Jesus without praying with Jesus. The title of today's message is the summer of prayer, presence driven prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We just thank you for being in this room with us this morning. We honor your presence. We honor you, Lord. You are the reason we came this morning. You're the reason we showed up in a tent this morning. You're the reason uh, we're here outside. It's because we love you. We want to meet with you. We want to know you deeper. We want to learn from you, Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we ask you to teach us. Give us your heart and your mind for prayer this morning. Show us what pleases you in prayer, Jesus. And Father, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts that are tender to you to receive and minds that can comprehend what the spirit of the Lord is saying in this room. And so, Lord, we just say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen? Y'all awake now? All right, Pastor Les was shaking y'all up earlier, so I'm just making sure, because I'm going to need some crowd participation. That's what we're going to need this morning. Uh, well, we're stewarding the word of the year right now for 2023. Do you guys know what it is? Dunamis. That's the word of the year. Dunamis is God's power through God's ability. Uh, it's us not being able to, but the Lord being able to through his own ability, his power. It's his ability being put on display. Uh, we always say that dunamis is when the Holy Spirit's power goes from resting on you to abiding and dwelling inside of you. And part of that prophetic word this year is that we be strengthening and fortifying through prayer. Uh, and so that means you're going to be hearing about prayer a whole lot this summer, a whole lot this year, uh, because we need to learn how to pray, right? Uh, if God is saying that we're going to strengthen and fortify through prayer, then we should be eager to learn more about prayer, about what that means. Um, one of the things that we're doing this summer specifically to focus in on strengthening and fortifying through prayer is on July 18th at 5.30 p.m., we're going to be gathering at the Capitol to pray. Isn't that fun? Yes. So uh, that's at 530 at the Capitol in Austin. Uh, if you want information, if you want to be a part of that, text CAPITAL to 59090. Um, and then I don't believe there are buses going from Waco because y'all are super close anyways. Y'all could just drive straight and meet us there. But from Fort Worth, we got buses because we got it's a, it's a distance. So, uh, But come pray with us at the Capitol on the 18th. I believe that's this Tuesday at 530. But that's one of the ways that we're strengthening and fortifying through prayer. That's some of our guerrilla warfare through prayer this summer. Um, but again, if God wants to strengthen and fortify us through prayer, we should be growing in our revelation and our pursuit about, uh, of prayer. So let's talk about prayer today. Prayer is a foundation of our faith. Uh, Christianity and prayer go hand in hand. Uh, honestly, most of you are probably like, man, we're about to talk about prayer. I've been praying my whole life. I already know everything there is to know about prayer. Some of y'all just had that moment happen in your souls. I just want to encourage you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach you something about prayer today. So there's probably something that you haven't heard before today or something that the Spirit of the Lord wants to remind you of that's just specifically for you. Uh, so stay engaged even though it's a topic that you may think you know a lot about already. Amen? Uh, Martin Luther said, as is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. He also said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. How many of y'all are alive without breathing? None of y'all? Nobody? Because you can't. What is Martin Luther saying? You cannot live as a Christian without prayer. You cannot succeed. You cannot thrive in your walk with the Lord without prayer. It is inevitable. It is non-negotiable. We have to pray to know the Lord, to do this Christian walk. Uh, there are over 600 prayers listed in the Bible. Uh, you might not even notice some of the prayers because they're just all over the place, scattered all throughout the word of God. Uh, for example, the prayer of Jabez, which is the prayer for ter territory expansion. We prayed that all last year. That's in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Solomon's prayer for wisdom. God says, Solomon, what do you want? And then he asks God for wisdom. That's another prayer. That's 1 Kings 3, verses 5 through 10. All throughout the New Testament, we see Paul praying uh, prayers for the churches. Like there's prayers everywhere all throughout the word of God. 
there are over 450 recorded answers to prayer throughout the Bible. This is important because a lot of people don't pray because you think God doesn't answer your prayers. Y'all hear? It's real. Some people just don't pray because you start to think God doesn't answer prayers. He does not listen to me. So why should I ask him for something? Why should I talk to him about something? Uh, And so I just want you to know the reality of that is that the thought that God does not answer prayers could be because maybe you don't have a lot of history with God yet. It could just be because you've never seen him heal in your life before. You've never seen him provide in your life in some crazy way that maybe somebody else has. And so in your own life, if you haven't seen that, you may start to think God can't provide for me. So I will not ask him to provide for me. But I want you to know the beauty of the word of God and these four, over 450 answered prayers that are recorded in the word of God is that sometimes you have to lean in to the Lord's faithfulness in somebody else's life and somebody else's story before you have your own stories of his faithfulness. So if you haven't seen God as a healer, all throughout the word of God, there's these moments and these stories where God healed people. So if you don't have that story on your own as God, as the healer, then you can find it in the word and that's what you're supposed to stand on in faith to pray and to believe that he will answer your prayers. And so a lot of times we forget about all of these stories of his faithfulness in the word of God that we have to stand on in faith. Uh, For example, David prayed and God defeated his enemies. Second Samuel 15, 31, all throughout the, the Old Testament, crazy stories of David praying and God defeating his enemies. Daniel prayed and God gave him the ability to both tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream and to give him the interpretation of it. That's a crazy story. Nehemiah prayed and God moved the heart of the king of Persia to grant him a leave of absence to visit and rebuild Jerusalem. Esther and Mordecai prayed and God exposed and defeated Haman's evil plans and saved the Jews from destruction. The believers in Jerusalem prayed and God opened the prison doors and set Peter free when Herod had plans to kill him. Our God is faithful and he responds to the prayers of his people. It's all throughout the word of God. And I, I, I was thinking about this the other day as I was preparing for this message, how crazy it is that we actually get to pray. Have y'all thought about that? Y'all know sometimes us Christians, we just get real comfortable with crazy stuff. Like, you know, God made the heavens and the earth crazy. You know, we just go on with everyday life. Like we just, we take crazy, we, we just take things for granted. Do you know how wild it is that you get to talk to God every day? That that's even an option for your life? That the God who made all of this wants to have dialogue with you every day and made it possible for you to talk to him freely? Like, that's crazy. Y'all still acting real chill about it. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane that he wants to talk to us. It's quite possibly the greatest honor of our lives that we get to dialogue with God every day. Isn't it wild to even think that he's provided that for us and how often we just pass it by, that that's an option and sometimes we just go a whole day and don't talk to him. When you can talk to God who made you, your designer, your creator, the one who knows everything about your life, that he wants to tell you about things. Billy Graham says, prayer is a two-way conversation between you and God. It's one of my favorite quotes because I love conversation. That video with Tonka in it just destroys me every time I see it. Just like I have to fight, ugly cry every time I watch that video, especially if I'm about to speak because I got to just keep it together, you know. But like that video tears me up because I connect with God through conversation. And I love that Billy Graham is saying that that's all prayer is, is just talking to God. But the interesting thing about conversation is that it's two-way, right? You talk to somebody and then you also listen to them. You know those people that you try to have a conversation with, but you never get to talk? They just talk the whole time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look over there. But like, it's awkward, right? It's awkward if you try to have a conversation. Pastor Les is giving a loud yes to somebody in the room. But like, it's really awkward when you're trying to have conversation with somebody and there's not an actual dialogue. Right? When you just talk and they never talk or vice versa, whatever it may be. Uh, it's the same with God. Do you realize how often we just, just talk to God and he's like, man, I wish I could just say something to you. 
I wish this was a two-way conversation. He's got all these things to say. Prayer is two-way. He wants to hear from you and he wants to speak to you. And not only did Jesus make a way for us to dialogue with God, for us to have a relationship with him in that way, but Jesus also, he also modeled a lifestyle of prayer for us. And so Jesus is the best model that we have of a prayer life. So if you've been on YouTube videos trying to figure out how to pray, you've been Googling, trying to ask questions and listening to all the Facebook prophets and stuff about prayer, I just want you to know your, your best model for prayer is Jesus. He, he, was pretty, he was pretty good at praying. He was pretty good. You know, he was talking to God all the time. He modeled prayer for us. We tend to focus on all of the incredible things that Jesus did, right? Signs, wonders, miracles, all these crazy things. But we forget that those things were birthed somewhere. Over and over again in the word of God, 170 times in scripture, Jesus teaches on prayer or he actually goes away to pray. Jesus would often go away and then see those signs and those wonders and miracles that we want to talk about so much. Those things would happen and manifest through his prayer life. In fact, in Matthew 13, 54, uh, it says that all the people in his hometown, they were all amazed. And they said, where did he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? That was the question that they asked about Jesus. They were tripping. They're like, what is, where did all this come from? Oh, I believe it came because of his prayer life. He was living a prayer life regularly. His prayer life released dunamis everywhere that he went. Some of us want dunamis in our lives, but we don't want the prayer life that Jesus walked in. But Jesus, for Jesus, they were connected to each other. And then he, he was even so awesome because his prayer life also strengthened and fortified the people who were around him. And so he would bring the disciples with him all the time to come and pray. He would go pray and be like, hey, y'all come, come over here. We just go pray with Jesus. Could you imagine? Isn't that awesome? They just, Jesus like, come up to this mountain and pray with me. And so Jesus is strengthening them through his prayer life. And I love it in Luke 11, 1, eventually the disciples worked up enough courage to just flat out ask him. And they said, hey, um, can, you can you teach us how to do this prayer thing? Can you teach us how to pray? Imagine that. They've been with him praying already. And then there's this moment where they say, can you teach us how to do this? And we have Christians in the body of Christ, maybe people in this room, we've walked with Jesus, walked with the Lord for years and years and been around prayer and seen God move and do awesome things, but have never once asked Jesus to teach us how to pray. So my practical advice to you is why don't you teach God or ask God to teach you how to pray? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to teach you. If you struggle with prayer, ask him to be your teacher in prayer. The disciples saw him do so many things, but they wanted to learn how to pray. They were on to something. If Jesus had a prayer life, how in the world do you think you could walk like Jesus without a prayer life? You can't. That's an easy one. You can't do it. You want to operate. Like I said, you want to operate in dunamis. You want to do the things that you see Jesus doing. You cannot do them outside of a prayer life like Jesus had outside of praying like Jesus prayed. And if the enemy can keep you from praying like Jesus, he can keep you from walking like Jesus. That's why there's been such a war against your prayer life. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know y'all know what I'm talking about. As soon as you start praying, you just, just knocked out. Some of y'all this morning, you just decided to soak with the Lord. Y'all know what the soaking with the Lord is. It's when you start to pray and you can't wake up. So you just stay. You just stay with the Lord. Some of y'all, you start praying. As soon as you go to start praying, all of a sudden you think about the text message you got from three months ago that you never responded to. And you're like, yeah, I should probably text them back. But like in that moment when you're about to pray, now you decided to text the person back. Some of you, you start getting ready to pray. And all of a sudden, you have this burning desire to be on Instagram. You didn't think about Instagram all day until you started getting ready to pray. Until you got ready to pray. What, what, what's, what's happening? Well, when you, so you, you went to pray, and then you got sleepy, but you couldn't sleep when you were supposed to sleep. That's really weird, huh? 
That's kind of odd. You were in bed when you were supposed to be sleeping just awake. Just, just cannot go to sleep. Why? How come you didn't think to text the person back when you were sitting on the toilet? I know about your texting lives. I know what you do in the hidden places. In the throne room, I know what you're doing. Yeah, I know. Why didn't you think to text the person back? Before that, why, how come you, Instagram, you have like a time where you're on Instagram all day. Why did you think about Instagram in the moment? What's happening? There's warfare against your prayer life. And if you are unaware of it, you will do nothing about it. If you are unaware of it, you will never grow. You will never be able to discern the schemes of the enemy. You will never be able to say, ah, not this time. Gonna put my phone over here when I go over here to be with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Or you switch it up real good on the enemy and you pray on the toilet. You just flip it around. You see what I'm saying? You just, he didn't see it coming over there. Like, but you have to be strategic. You have to be strategic. You cannot just get popped upside the head in your prayer life. You have to understand and discern the schemes of the enemy. Because you need a prayer life. You need to pray. You can't walk like Jesus without praying like Jesus. And so the question is, well, how did Jesus pray? One, he prayed often. It actually says in Luke 5, 15, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He prayed often. That's why our vision is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. It's because we know that there's something in you connecting with God daily and you praying often. Often is how Jesus prayed. He prayed authentically. Matthew 27, verse 46. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of us are afraid to pray like that. We have hard moments in the Lord, things that are really difficult. And we don't know how to have that conversation with the Lord the way Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, this is really hard. He felt like God left him. That's a big deal for Jesus to say. Some of you have those moments in your life, have those situations come up in your life, and you think you can't say that to God, that you can't be authentic with him about the hard things, but Jesus did it. He was our model for prayer, and he spoke authentically to God in the moment that he was being crushed. Jesus talked with sincerity to his father. There's this moment, Luke 22, 23, 34, where he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Another really hard moment, but he's praying a hard thing in sincerity to the Father. My favorite thing about Jesus all throughout the word of God, one of my favorite things is that he made prayer simple. He made it easy. You ever see a moment in the word of God where he's like, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all the dogs. Like, he just starts, like, no, he just talks to God. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. And we, we, get all, we get all crazy as Christians and got to add all of these words and try to crack a secret code to get with God or something. And, and he's just like, can you just talk to me? Can you just have a conversation with me? Can you just tell me what's happening in your heart? I just want to be with you. I just want to talk to you. Jesus made prayer simple. And one tactic the enemy uses to keep us from prayer is to make prayer seem complicated. Or, or hard is another word for it. I want you to know God does not need more complicated prayers from you. The other day, I found an old journal as I was preparing for this message. And I was really shocked by the authenticity and the simplicity uh, that I was talking to the Lord in it. Because I was like nine years old. It's one of my first journals. I just want to, can I just share it with you guys? Is that okay? I think they have the visual for it. You yeah, you definitely can't read it because I had nine-year-old handwriting, <clears throat> but I'm just going to read it for you. So first letter on the far left, it says this, dear God, you are going to be my holy diary. Anytime I have to talk to you about something, you will listen and help. God, read everything I write in here and do everything I need you to do. 
just, I was just being authentic with the Lord. But I must have gotten like convicted or something because a couple layers down or a couple lines down, I said, Lord, on that last sentence, I don't mean it like that. I just want you to do that, please. Just, you know, just came in a little hot. It was like, okay, Lord, let me just pull it back a little bit. The next letter I said, dear God, I hope today will be a good day. No, today will be a good day. A little declaration, you know what I'm saying? The reason that I didn't write you last night is because I had to go to bed. Don't let me get a bad whooping and let me get all good grades today. <laughs> Love you. Yeah, see, I was, I was wise as a child. I was praying against the whoopings. It was wisdom in me. In letter three, I said, dear God, I know I wrote you this morning, but I'm going to write you again because you are great. Today was a great day. I got a good report from the teacher and got good grades. Let tomorrow be great too. Oh, and Lord, tomorrow is Friday and I want the courage to tell more people about you. Don't let me have any bad dreams or no dreams. Love you, amen. This is how my prayer life started. Just simple. Just, Lord, I didn't talk to you yesterday because I went to sleep. Some of y'all just need to say that to the Lord sometimes. Wake up in the morning, so about last night, Lord, I was trying to talk to you, but I tried to talk in bed and I just fell asleep. Just tell the Lord what's really happening. Just be authentic, be honest with him. Some of y'all need to say, Lord, don't let me get a whooping. All the kids in the room, just say amen. Like somebody, just, you know, just be honest with the Lord about what's happening in your life. Practical advice. Be more concerned about talking with God than you are with talking to God correctly. He cares more about talking with you. And I, I just, I think, again, sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. And... I think it's really important that you understand that you have to just start somewhere. So maybe you don't sound like the person up on the stage praying sometimes, or Pastor Les, or Pastor Nikki, but like when we try to compare our prayer lives to somebody else, we miss out on just being a son and a daughter to God that he just wants to hear from you. He just really wants to talk to you. It doesn't have to sound like anybody else's. It's really simple to him. He wants to hear from you. Matthew 6, 7 says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. This is one of Jesus' instructions about prayer. He said, don't just make up words and say stuff that don't mean nothing. Just like honestly talk to me. He's saying these people think that because they, they talk special and weird and super religious that I'm going to do something more. He said, No. It's, it's me. I just want you to talk to me. And this is right before Jesus says what we know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's account. He's teaching the disciples about prayer. That phrase, heap up empty phrases that I was just talking about, it literally means to blubber nonsensical repetitions or to use empty or vain words. He does not want your empty and vain words. He wants to talk to you. Like, did you know it's possible to sing songs about God and never sing to him in worship? Did you know you could heap up empty words in worship? You know you could just be singing and just, just not even thinking about him, not singing to him? You can do the same with prayer. It's possible to pray to God without ever having a conversation with him. You can talk around him. You can talk at him. But he wants you to talk to him to speak to him. And prayer is really hard when you're not actually talking to the one who can move the mountains. When you're not actually talking to him, that's when it's hard. That's when it's difficult, when you just know you just sitting in your room just saying stuff. <laughs> y'all ain't, ain't being real. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about, when you're just sitting in a room and you're just trying to talk to God, but you're just talking? And you're just like, man... I'm trying right now to talk to God. Did you know there's another option? There's another way to pray? Like that way of praying is hard. 
It's really frustrating to be talking to nobody. To just be talking in an empty room. And today, I felt like the thing that the Lord wanted me to bring to you is the other option. The better way, the better option in praying. There are people all over the body of Christ who believe the lie that prayer is hard. And as I was preparing uh, for this message, I just kept feeling like the Lord was saying, uh, I know you're tired. I know you're, uh, you're, you're over it in some ways, but you don't have to strive to talk to me. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, you guys know this verse. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Watch, if prayer is hard, maybe you're doing it wrong. It's religion that makes prayer hard. The odds are, if prayer is hard for you, you might not be praying in his presence. And not praying in his presence could easily be likened to trying to have a substantial conversation with your spouse from opposite sides of the house. Y'all ever tried to do that before? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You in the kitchen and your spouse is in the the master bathroom, and y'all just, hey, babe, can you, and huh, can you, huh? It's just hard, right? It's difficult. Y'all in the same house. That's not up for debate. You're in the same house, but proximity still matters, right? The closeness still matters. It's still important. The closer you get, the easier it is to talk to one another. Right? So you wait to have substantial conversations to y'all looking dead in the eye. You're like, did you hear me say that? Like, no, I didn't hear it. What did you say? But now that you're closer, you can understand, you can hear, you can see the nuances, you can see the emotions. You can see every expression, the little teardrop, the little grin. You see all of the movement, all of the expression in somebody's face when you actually talk with them when they're right in front of you. It's different. It's not that you can't talk to your spouse when they're across the house. It's just that there's a better time to talk about meaningful things with them, and it's when they are close to you. And very often, we do this with the Lord. Have you ever tried to have conversations with the Lord from, from another room? I know some of y'all are like, what you talking about, lady? What you talking about? God's everywhere, Right? We have people ask this question all the time. What's the difference between omnipresent God and the manifest presence of God? People all the time, why are we singing all these songs about come, come, come? Why are we telling him to come when he's already here? It sounds silly, but let me just break it down. Let me just teach a little bit right here. Yes, God's omnipresence is real. He is everywhere all the time. It is true. It is true, but the manifest presence of God is different. You hear us all the time, we'll talk about the presence of God, we'll say that he's here, the spirit of God is in the room, we want the presence of God to come into the room. And I want you to know very clearly as mercy culture, when we say the presence of God, we are not talking about a feeling. We are not talking about a vibe. We're not talking about some ethereal idea of something that's happening in the room. When we say the presence of God came into the room, we're talking about him. We actually mean the spirit of the Lord is in this room, that he came into the room. And when he comes into the room, there's all these different ways that he expresses himself and all these different ways that we experience him in the room. You might hear Pastor Landon say all the time, he'll be, he'll be like, did you feel those chill bumps? Whenever the Lord comes into the room, we're like, did you feel those chill bumps? And some of y'all are like, yeah, I know about the chill bumps. And others of y'all are like, no, I don't know nothing about the chill bumps. And every time he says it, you struggle because you never feel chill bumps. But I want to encourage you, that's not the only way that he makes himself known in the room. So when he comes into the room, I don't always feel chill bumps, sometimes. But a lot of times for me, it feels like electricity through my body. It's just a little different than the chill bumps. It's a little, I feel like it's more intense. I don't know. But uh, I feel like I get zapped a little bit. I'm like, well, there he is. 
For some people, it may feel like a, a warmth on your body. That doesn't count in Waco. <laughs> you know, if that's how you encounter the Lord, you just stay in the glory all the time out here. But he may come with warmth. It says on the road to Emmaus, the disciples were walking with Jesus. And when they were walking with him, they said, did our hearts not burn within us? They felt fire when he walked with them. There's moments when he comes in and his weighty presence is in the room. You can kind of feel almost like a blanket on the room. There's moments where he comes in and it's like you can feel a whirlwind in a room where there's no air, there's no fan, and you can just feel this whirlwind in the room. There's moments he's come into rooms and there's a cloud that comes in the room. I've seen him come into room and glitter pops up on people's hands that wasn't there before. I've seen oil flow out of people's hands that was not there before until the Lord stepped into the room. He comes and he loves to make himself known. That word manifest, it means to make obvious to the eye or to the mind. The spirit of the Lord loves to make himself obvious in a room. And so, yes, he is always here. But there are moments when he comes closer. Where he makes his presence obvious to someone. Where he'll make his presence obvious to an entire room. If it were not so, then we wouldn't need Exodus 4 or Exodus 3 where he comes in and he reveals himself as a burning bush. If he didn't want to make himself known, he, would just, he just would have talked to Moses. He just would have just been there talking. But why did he come as a burning bush? Why did he come as a fire that was unquenchable? Because he wanted to make himself known. He wanted to manifest his presence to Moses. We see it in Acts 2. He comes like a mighty rushing wind into the room. You can say, well, but he's everywhere. He doesn't need to do that. Exactly. But he decided to come like a mighty rushing wind. That's his manifest presence. He can do it whenever he wants to. It just so happens that he does it most where he is welcome. And so, yes, God is everywhere. His presence is here. But he loves to come closer. And it's the same thing as we were talking about earlier. It's, you can just talk to him as the omnipresent God, or you can talk to him when he comes close, when his manifest presence is in the room. And I've learned that that's the best time to talk to him is when he comes. So you're like, why are we always singing those songs? It's because we know that when he comes, it's easier to talk to him. So we'll sing it until we turn purple in the face. Come, 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 come. Because when he comes, it's on and popping. When he comes, things happen. When he comes, things change. When he comes, people get delivered. People get set free. He makes himself obvious in a room when he comes. That's why you can be in your room having your daily personal encounter and have the same type of freedom in your bedroom as you have at an altar. It's because it's not about where you are, it's about his manifest presence coming into the room. His presence changes things. Practical advice, pray in the presence of God. Talk to him when he's in the room. Talk to him. This is presence-driven prayer. And I want to give you five steps to presence-driven prayer. One of the things we talk about a lot when we're preparing and bringing messages in mercy culture is we, we want to give away our encounters with God. We just want to give away what, what we've walked in the Lord with. And that's what I want to do with you guys. I just want to give you away some of, give away some of the things that I've been able to apply in my life that has transformed how I talk to God and walk with God every day. And so the first thing is to make a place for him. You guys know when somebody comes over your house, what do you do? Before they get there, you clean the bathroom, you wash the dishes, you make some queso, right? Because y'all Texans, you know what I'm saying? See what I did there? Yeah. 
but you prepare for somebody. You prepare the atmosphere so you can fully, you can be fully present when they come, right? You don't want to be cleaning the bathroom when, when your friends show up. So you do it before they get there, right? You prepare a place for them. So my question is, what do you need to do to make a place for him? What needs to be done for you to be freed up to engage with him intentionally whenever he does come into the room? For me, I have a hard time focusing on the Lord if things are a mess. So my little prayer room, if I got like a little clutter on my desk, I, I'm just, it's not going down. I just can't connect with the Lord. So I have to clean that before I go into my daily encounters with the Lord. Uh, I get very distracted by my phone. And so I'll either put my phone on do not disturb or I will leave it in another room and go encounter the Lord. Recently, the Lord's been inviting me to encounter him outside, laying my life down for the kingdom because it's so hot outside. But I've been encountering the Lord outside, but like I get very distracted by bugs. And Texas bugs got something different on them. It's a different juice on Texas bugs. A different juice, a different something. And so when I get outside, I don't just go and sit down outside. I bring my broom and I get every single cobweb, everything I can find before I sit down. Can I get an amen? Anybody else? And so it's, I'm making a place for him. I want to prepare myself to encounter him, to be with him. And number two is welcome him. This is when your friend gets there, you already didn't clean the bathroom, you already didn't made your queso, did all the things you need to do, and they actually come to your door. This is the part where you actually open the door for them, where you let them in. You know how awkward it would be if your friend in Texas heat was just standing outside at your door all day? Just knocking, waiting to come in. No, you open the door and you let them in. If you notice at Mercy Culture, a lot of times in sets and in, in worship, we will start sets wor or welcoming him. We'll sing songs where we just say, you're welcome here. You can have the whole room. We say it all the time. What are we doing? We're opening the door. We're saying, hey, come in here. You're welcome here. Come in this place. You can apply that. I'm giving you things. I hope you're hearing this. I'm giving you practical things that you should be applying to your time with the Lord. So if you get in there with the, your daily encounters and you're like, I don't really know what to do in here, I'm telling you, don't miss this moment. This is it, I'm helping you. So, so first, you make a place for him, then you welcome him. You open the doors, you're, wel you're, you're saying you're welcome to come into this place. Derek Prince once said, if I have 10 minutes to pray, I worship for seven or eight minutes and then pray for two or three minutes. Why? Because what does it matter if you talk to God and he's not in the room? And so spend time just welcoming him. Spend time saying, you can come in here. I want to be with you. He's, he's very relational. He's real. I know sometimes we can think about God and just be like, he's just like this like thing. He's real. He values relationships. Would you like to go to somebody's house and stand on their doorstep and not be let in? No, he's real. He wants to be welcomed in. He wants to know that he can come into that room with you wherever you are. So number three is acknowledge him. So you've made a place for him, you've welcomed him, and now you acknowledge him. This is the part where your friend comes into your house and now you're like, hey, it's so good to see you. What's up? Y'all don't greet your friends like that? Y'all from, y'all different? But you're like excited to see them. You acknowledge them. You're saying, I recognize that you're here. And so in worship, again, or just even in altar ministry, all over mercy culture, you'll hear these moments where the Lord will come and you'll be like, did you feel that? Like, did you feel that shift? That's why Pastor Lane is like, did you feel those chill bumps? He's not just saying it to, so you can be impressed by chill bumps. He's saying it so that you can understand he just came into the room. It's an acknowledgement that he came in. It's, um, it's very intriguing to me how often he can come into the room and we just never acknowledge that he came in. And there's so many different ways to do that. So many different ways to acknowledge the Lord when he comes in. For some people, you can physically respond. You may stop what you're doing. I remember the first time I saw somebody do this, I was in Israel with Pastor Landon and a group of people, and we were having this moment of prayer. Everybody was just walking around, praying, and all of a sudden, I'm like looking at Pastor Landon, and he would just stop. 
And then he'd keep praying. He'd walk around a little bit. And then he would just stop. But he was, like, stopping in, like, awkward spots. You know? And so I'm kind of like, what is he doing? Like, what, what's going on? And so eventually we finish this moment. He comes over to the group. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what was happening. He says, hey, just so you guys know, sometimes when I feel the Lord in a spot, I'll literally stop and acknowledge him. And I was just, like, mind blown. Mind blown. It changed my life. To, to know that that's even an option, that when he comes in my daily encounters, that I could be pacing around my room and then just stop and be like, here he is. He's here right now. There you are, God. And so you can stop. You can take off your shoes. You can get on your knees, whatever it is. You can say, there you are, whatever it is. Find a way to acknowledge him when he comes into the room. Sometimes when you have people come over, you know, when you have a family friend come into the house and you scream up to your kids, hey, so-and-so just came over. People start running down the stairs. Everybody comes to greet them. There's like a unified celebration. There's a unified acknowledgement that somebody came. That's what we're doing when we say he just came in. We're inviting you into a unified celebration, a unified acknowledgement that the king of glory just came into the room. That's what we're inviting you into. And so number one, we have make a place for him. Number two, we have welcome him. Number three, we have acknowledge him. Number four, we have stay with him. When somebody's at your house, they've come in, they're hanging out. And you ever know, you know, when you're like talking to somebody and then you start to notice that little corner up there that's still dusty. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That little one, that, that one like pottery piece that got like a little spider web on it low key. And you're just talking to your friend and you're like, mm, there's the spider web. My husband didn't get it. You know, you just have like the whole moment. I know, I know what happens. You have the whole moment. Well, what you probably shouldn't do and what you probably don't do is break the conversation and break the encounter with that person to go and tend to this pottery. You don't stop the moment to go dust in the corner, right? What do you do? You stay present. You stay engaged with your guest, with the person of honor that's in your house. And it's the same with the Lord. Sometimes he, we, we, have, we welcome him, we invite him to come, he gets into the room, he shows up, and then we're like, let me just go over here and do this. No! Stay present with him when he comes. Stay. The Bible describes it in John 15 as abiding. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide with me. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, stay with me. Don't leave me. Just stay here. Let me stay in you and you stay with me. John 15, 7, then he says, if you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I never saw this before, but this is a key to prayer that Jesus gives. He says, abide in me, and then whatever you ask, it'll be done. And so there's a major key to prayer that we're missing is that we actually have to stay with him, stay in his presence. For me, that looks like just whispering sweet nothings to the Lord. I just whispered to him, Lord, I love you. I'm just happy to be here with you. I love that you're here right now. Will you come more? Make, make more of your presence known to me right now. But you're inviting him to stay, and you're choosing to stay with him. Uh, a lot of Christians don't pray from his presence. We don't pray from a place of abiding with God, and so we end up praying witchcraft. We end up praying our own will over the Lord's will because we don't stay with him long enough to hear his will. I don't know if y'all heard that. A lot of us end up praying witchcraft because we pray our own will. Because we don't stay with God long enough. We don't abide with him long enough to actually hear what he wants done in the earth. That's not it. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to pray what the Father wants. But we can't do that unless we abide. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words in you or what I want in you, then you can ask whatever you want. And I'm going to do it. Why? Because you're asking what, the God, what God wants, what the Father wants. That's the key to prayer. And so number four is abiding with him, staying with him. And the last one, number five, is pray with him. After you abide, as you stay with him from the place of abiding, then pray with him. Pray what he's praying. This is when I pray in my heavenly language. Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Lord speaks to you. 
had a moment a few weeks ago, I'm in my daily encounter praying with the Lord, praying in my heavenly language, and all of a sudden, somebody from our worship team, their face keeps coming before me. I'm just praying in the spirit, and I kept seeing this face. And then I would pray whatever the Lord put on my heart to pray for them in English after that. And I got to church the next Sunday, and I saw the person. I said, hey, your face kept coming to me all week. And he began to tear up, and he said, that's crazy. I was battling suicidal thoughts all week. Thank you for praying for me. I wasn't just thinking of him. What happened? I was praying in the spirit, and the Lord began to show me what he wanted me to pray. That is how you pray presence-driven prayers is you pray with God, not around him, not at him, not just, you actually pray in his presence. It's easy to pray in his presence. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the word of God. And so instead of praying your will, you pray the word of God. You pray the Father's will. The only problem with that is if you don't know the word of God, you can't pray the word of God. It says, in John 14, 16, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my, will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. But the Holy Spirit can't remind you of what he said to you if you don't read the word. If you, if you don't have the Bible in you. So we have to eat the word of God because that is what we should be praying. That is what we should be declaring. So you pray, Father, I thank you. That you provide all of my, you supply every single one of my needs according to your riches and glory. What am I praying? The word of God. You take the scripture and then you pray his word and that's what he breathes on. Prayer is easy in his presence. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I want to go back to this main text. This story is probably one of the most familiar passages in the word of God. This is Jesus praying in the garden. He goes away to pray, brings the disciples with them. This is right before he's being taken away to be crucified. And the word that's used here for Jesus praying, that word prayer, it actually means to exchange wishes or desires. And I want you to remember this. Prayer is a place of exchange. That's why you can go pray with the Lord. You can go pray in his, in his presence. And then you come out of prayer and you feel like a different person. You came in heavy, you leave light. You came in sad, you leave with joy. Why? It's because it's a place of exchange. When you pray with him, you lay things down and then he tells you things. That's the two-way conversation. You exchange with him. And so Jesus understood that. And so he went and began to release his desires and his burdens to the Father. He goes to make an exchange with the Father in this moment. He says, Father, if there's any other way to do this, I'd rather have that way, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus makes an exchange in his prayer. And in the moment where the disciples should have been with Jesus making the same exchange, it says that at some point, Jesus looked up and he didn't see them. It says that he went back to them, which means that he had went away from them. He goes back to them and it says that he found them sleeping, exhausted from sorrow. And I think it's interesting because right after this moment, we see the disciples, one of the disciples actually betrays Jesus. We see the disciples ashamed of Jesus, but they make really bad decisions after this moment. And I think it's very significant because they didn't, they didn't make the same exchange that Jesus made. So Jesus is in the garden making this exchange of his will for the fathers and the disciples are just back there asleep. They're just sleeping. They didn't make the exchange that Jesus made. And so because they didn't make the exchange, they didn't have the dunamis that Jesus had to carry out what the father wanted. They didn't have the ability to do what Jesus was doing because they didn't pray with Jesus. I think, it, it, like they, it says that Jesus went a stone's throw away, but it never said that Jesus told them to stay there. It says he went a stone's throw away, and I guess the disciples just thought, well, I guess we're good here. But what could have happened if the disciples would have walked a little bit further? 
and just began to pray with Jesus. I wonder if it would have made the difference for them. I wonder if maybe they would have prayed with him that they would have stayed awake in an hour where they needed to be alert and awake in the earth. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they wouldn't have bowed to their temptation. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they would have learned how to pray. Maybe if they would have prayed with Jesus, they would have known what to pray in a moment of deep sorrow. When they were really burdened, it says they were exhausted from sorrow, from sadness. Maybe if they would have prayed with him, they would have made the same exchange that Jesus made their will for the fathers, but they did not pray with Jesus, which means they did not walk in dunamis in a moment where they were supposed to. And this morning, as I prayed for you guys, I just kept feeling the Lord wanting you to know that it's an option to pray with Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus left, John 16 and 7, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I love the phrase that Jesus uses here. He says about the Holy Spirit, he says, it is to your advantage. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is your advantage? That where the disciples fell asleep, where they stayed a few steps behind Jesus, that they had to figure out how to walk in this garden, who knows what the circumstances were, that you have the option of praying with Jesus every day just because of the Holy Spirit. That you can pray in the presence of God every day because of the gift, the advantage that Jesus gave us. That that's actually an option for you. That you don't have to pray powerless, dunamisless prayers because you can pray with the Holy Spirit. That you can pray prayers that change things. That you can pray prayers that actually lead you into a more intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit because you're empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to pray in His presence. Can everybody just get up on your feet? It seems like the disciples were maybe content with praying away from Jesus. But I believe God is strengthening and fortifying this house in prayer. That he's making us a house that is not content with praying outside of his presence. That we'll be a house that's obsessed with praying presence-driven prayers, which means that we don't pray without him. One of the things, as I said before, that keeps us from praying presence-driven prayers is the spirit of religion. This is the spirit that keeps people from connecting with God through prayer. It's the spirit that makes prayer hard. It's the spirit that makes things that Jesus paid for us think that we have to pay for them all of a sudden. Jesus paid for you to pray in his presence for it to be easy for you to pray. So the first thing I feel like the Lord wanted to do this morning is if you feel like it's been difficult for you to pray because of the spirit of religion. If you feel like you've been, uh, and I, I even feel in my spirit, there's intercessors in this room. You've been intercessors for decades in the house of the Lord. And you've made up your mind. This I kept hearing this phrase this weekend, the labor of prayer, the labor of prayer that that phrase has been in you and you've, you've thought that it just meant that prayer has to be hard, that it has to be difficult. And I saw the Lord lifting this heavy burden off of you today, that he was going to release freedom from the spirit of religion in this room today to make prayer easy for you. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to begin to make your way up to this platform. 
Just make your way up to the stage. If you feel like prayer has been hard for you, if you feel like it's been a difficult thing, if you want freedom so that you can engage in the ease of prayer, come up to the altar right now. And everybody else, just begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in your heavenly language.